Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hasia whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend and in a whole new month, no less. We are officially in the month of May, which means I do not think it is too soon to start talking about summer books. There are some huge titles out this summer. I'm thinking about Quietly Hostile, which is the new essay collection from Samantha Irby. There's also a new Brandon Taylor book called The Late Americans, or of course, Tom Lake, which is the latest from Ann Patchett. But there is so much other stuff coming out this summer, too, and we are going to get into it. Here with me today are three of my favorite readers. We have Lupita Aquino. Lupita, hello. Thank you so much for thinking of me to uh, chat with you. Thank you. I am so thrilled. Also, here is Liberty Hardy, who works at Book Riot. Liberty, hello. Hello. I'm very excited because I have never talked to all of you at one time. So it's very exciting. I know, right? Because also here is Tracy Thomas, who hosts the Stacks podcast. Tracy, hello. Hi, thanks for having me back, even though you just called me a book bully. And (laughs) I'm going to put that on my resume. (laughs) Cannot wait. Book bully is here. (laughs) I did say that before we started recording. I was a little worried you'd be offended, but I assume if you're mentioning it now, that means you're delighted by it. I would co-sign that though, Tracy. You have bullied me in the best way to read some of the best books and you can bully me anytime. So please continue the bullying. (laughs) That's kind of you, but even if you didn't consent to my bullying, it's coming. Book bullying? I will cry. I'm anti-bullying, but book bullying? I I am pro. She already bought the domain <laughs> while we were talking. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I think the biggest challenge of this whole conversation is going to be how do we keep ourselves each to three books? But I think <laughs> we should do our best just because there are four of us and I don't want to stress our listeners out too much by giving them like an insane pile of books to read this summer. In any case, I feel like we're just going to go alphabetically and start with you, Lupita. What is one of the books that you are most excited about either reading or that you have already read that you're just excited for other people to read this summer? So I am currently reading and also have been very excited to read uh, Rivermouth. Um, and I will read the full title. It's Rivermouth, A Chronicle of Language, Faith, and Migration by Alejandra Oliva. Um, mm. I've, I've been excited about it since I heard it was coming like very, like, I think it was last year. Um, and so mainly who she is, she's a translator um, who basically prepares asylum seekers for the credible fear interviews. And oh, wow. um, I was just really, um, as I'm reading it now, I'm only like, I would say less than 50 pages in, but I'm underlining so much. And mm-hmm. it's just 
so interesting to have this perspective of hers. And even as I'm starting the book, the way she just angles herself and lets people know, like, I have never been through this process. I do have family that have been. And so I am trying the best that I can to amplify this like the ways in which like the system continually fails. Um, and so I just feel so excited about this one. I know it feels a little heavier maybe for the summer, but it's actually not, mm. you know, I think that a lot of what she's writing about um, and even in terms of like the physical spaces and like migration and just like the, in, in the stories that she's hearing from these folks um, is just so page turning. Oh, that sounds incredible. Well, and it's funny to hear you use the, you know, say that you like it might seem like it's too heavy for the summer because I do think there is a very distinct vibe of sort of like summer beach read. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because just knowing the four of us, I'm not sure that any of us really is like all in on <laughs> that sort of book. You know, and like I love reading books in the summer, but I'm not looking for like the trip to the Hamptons, whatever, whatever thing, you know? Can I just say something about summer reads, though, really quickly? Because this yes. really grinds my gears. I know that mm. there's, like, a whole industry of, like, books that are called summer reads that have particular titles or about particular trips or women finding themselves in particular ways or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I just want to push back really hard because I think a summer read is any book you pick up mm -hmm. in the summer and a beach read is any book you read at the beach. Yes. And I'm tired of feeling shamed mm -hmm. about liking intense books. No. and Because like the summer is when I get to really sink into a book and mm -hmm. so I don't want to take that time to read something that's maybe lighter or fluffier because I usually do that at the end of the year when I'm burnt out but like this mm -hmm. summer I'm on vacation I have free time I'm not working I can sit down with like a 600 page history of America and be like let me let me read blood in the water yeah. about the Attica prison uprising on this beach because no one's gonna bug me so I just want to say to people who are like that I see you. It's a beach read. Tell everyone to mind their business. I do love the idea, especially reading a book called Blood in the Water on the Beach. <laughs> I do think that's especially apt. Well, no, I to be clear, I have no intention of shaming anyone for reading whatever the hell they want during the summer. I think for me, what I really like, especially if I am able to go on vacation, is something that is just really immersive, mm, which yeah, can mean yes, anything. But absolutely. what I want is something that I can sit down and read for like four hours straight and kind of like come up from underwater and just be like, oh, my God. This is amazing, you know, which could yes, be literally yes. anything. Yes. So, Liberty, you are next alphabetically. Yes. So what's one of your picks for this summer? Uh, it's the very uh, summery beach read Chain Gang <laughs> All-Stars by Nana Kwame Ajay Brenya, which um, mm. I read this in July. I wrote a galley and I was sad because I realized I read my favorite book of 2023 in July Aww. of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> it happens to me almost every year. I just I've been. Just so excited for this book because his story collection, Friday Black, which came out several years ago, was just one of the greatest things I've ever read. And this debut novel is going to blow everyone's mind. I mean, it is brilliant. It is brutal. It's set in a near future America where government has stopped pretending that they're going to try to rehabilitate people who are in prison and just turned it into a complete for-profit system, including having a for-profit MMA gladiator-style show in which they have the prisoners oh fight one another. And this show, of course, because Hello America is huge, like, number one show, so big. And the idea behind this is that every week two prisoners fight and one of them dies. And the next one goes on to the next round. And at the end of oh, the Lord. season, whoever is left, the last prisoner, gets their freedom. 
So like that's how they entice people into participating in this. It's that story, and it's the story of two of these fighters who are also lovers, Loretta and Hurricane. And like as the season goes on, like what's going to happen, you know, when they get to the end, and like yeah. they're the they might be the only ones left. Like are they going to fight each other? It's also the story of the people who are protesting the show. But what makes this book exceptionally amazing is that Nanakwame Ajibrenya uses footnotes in each of the chapters that are actual facts. Like, he uses these footnotes to relay information to readers about actual things that happen in American prisons. Like, all these statistics, all these horrific stories. And Mm. it's so intense and important. And this book is going to win so many awards. I, I just, I can, I can feel it. I'm ready. I'm so excited about it. Interesting. Now, Tracy, you read this one, right? I did. And I also loved it. And I think it's fantastic. And I think Nana's imagination is just like fully on display. Mm. And it's so ambitious. And speaking of immersive reads in the summertime, this is one of those books. Oh. It's like 400 pages almost. But I think I read it in about a day and a half. Like, it's just... Whew, he he locks you in from page one and I don't even think that you take a breath again until maybe page 150 oh like that's God. the first time where you're like okay where are we let wow. me check back in survey the survey the field <laughs> see what's up it's just it's so good Lupita was this on your list it is on my list and now I feel like I'm missing out I'm feeling so much book FOMO and I know that I know, I know that Roxane Gay picked it for her book club mm. I know that Jenna Bush picked it for her book club so I'm just like and Tracy's been posting about it and I know Liberty's been mm-hmm. shouting about it forever so I'm really feeling a lot of FOMO. But I'm kind of jealous of you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, we just have this beautiful treat in store, you know? Let's just think of it that way. (laughs) So one of my favorite books that's coming out this summer is called Loot. It's by Tanya James. It's really good. I liked it a lot. It's historical fiction about India in, like, the late 1700s, early 1800s. So you think about colonialism, you think about, like, the East India Trading Company, And this is a very small story in a lot of ways because it's only about a couple of characters, but it zooms out really beautifully. And I don't want to say too much about it, but I think what I really loved about it is that often historical fiction, if it takes place, especially in like a long ago and far away location, it can be really difficult for me to get into it. But the proximity of this story worked so beautifully like I was compelled from page one and the whole thing I just thought was really well done so I would love for more people to put that one on their lists for the summer so Tracy what do you want to shout out so I was gonna go and publication date order but I've decided to just go with the book I'm most excited about in case people turn off this episode because I bully them too hard so I want to start with the one I most want to bully about good strategy I respect it it's called when crack was king a people's history of a misunderstood era by Mm. Donovan X Ramsey it's basically a account of the crack cocaine epidemic from the 1980s and 90s the rise the fall it's giving you journalism it's giving you sort of narrative nonfiction. Um, the crack epidemic is like one of the most important Ameri- pieces of American history that has not really been examined deeply in popular writing. There's a lot of academic writing about it, but I think that some of that can feel um, 
prohibitive or maybe people feel like intimidated by it. So I'm very excited that there's this narrative approach coming from Donovan Ramsey. I haven't read it yet, but this is what I understand. He goes through and he kind of highlights different people who are affected by it to kind of tell the bigger story of mass incarceration and gentrification and, of course, police brutality, um, among other things. So I'm just I, I cannot wait to read this book. It's out July 11th. And I am like so excited Oh, that sounds very good. It is interesting to think about, you know, to your point, like gentrification, police brutality, like how many incarceration also, like how many other things touch on it, because it really is just like that ubiquitous of an issue. It touched on so many different elements that are still very real today. Yeah, I think a lot of people think about the like what happened with crack as like a quote unquote black thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that it definitely was targeted at the black community for sure. A thousand percent. But I think the ripples through all of American culture and society, like I'm thinking of the dare program, Mm -hmm. like that's directly related to what happened with crack in America. Um, I think a lot of like music is tied to what happened, but also the education system, the Mm -hmm. way that public schools have been affected. Like, I just think it's so, Far reaching and the tentacles touch pretty much everyone who is alive in America now and was alive in America in the 80s and 90s, etc. It's an interesting one, too, because it's so recent and yet just long ago enough that you can really see the impacts of it, too. Like, it's an interesting time frame that way, I think. I mean, the 80s is 40 years ago. <laughs> we're old is actually what you are getting at. You, you think you're it's right, not that right. long ago, but actually we're old. Like, think about it. Like, in the 90s, people were writing about, in the 80s and 90s, people were writing about World War II. Same, like, distance, right, from where we are now. But it just feels mm. like since we lived it all, to me, it couldn't possibly be time to write about it. <laughs> Oh, my God. You're right. We're old. I'm tired. Okay. Uh, Lupita, what's next on your list? Oh, my God. I'm distracted. I went to go buy that book immediately because I feel (laughs) I'm book bullied. I love it. (laughs) So um, next on my list is from debut author John Manuel Arias. He's queer and he's a Costa Rican American poet and writer. And he's got a novel coming out called Where There Was Fire. And so I know, and it's, it's based, it focuses on a Costa Rican family and, you know, they're apparently wrestling with a secret and it just seems like it will be so immersive. And honestly, like, I can't wait to get my hands on it. Like, I just, I'm just like, I I need it now because I just feel like, you know, we always talk about how much we need different voices in the Latin literary canon. And I just, Mm. I'm like, I haven't read a book like by a Costa Rican American, like set in Costa Rica or partly set in Costa Rica. So I'm just like, let's go. That sounds great. And I love the whole like family with a secret thing. It's like, that's really all you need to say. And I'm like, Ooh, okay. Tell me everything, you know? Right. And then you have that whole, it'll unfold about a story of a mother and a daughter. And it's with like, you know, it'll wreak havoc and uprisings. So I'm, I'm, it's hitting all the buttons for me. That sounds good. Okay. Liberty, it's your turn. What's next on yours? So I'm going to take us off planet now, far out into the universe where my people are from. And I'm going to tell you about (laughs) The Deep Sky by Yume Kitase, which is a science fiction novel, which is coming out July 18th, which is my birthday. So everyone mark that down. Um, And it's part of my, like the fastest growing subgenre, I think, in science fiction that has quickly become my favorite, which is our planet really sucks. We need a new one. That's basically Mm -hmm. like this subgenre. And that's what this book is about. Um, It's about a young woman named Asuka, who is part of the crew of a ship called the Phoenix. They are on a mission 
to find a new planet because Earth is the worst. And mm-hmm. they think that they've found one. <laughs> Cosine? Yeah, they think they've found one. But it's it's a super long journey. So they're put into cryosleep for like 10 years. So when the book begins, the, the people on this ship have been asleep for like 10 years. And they wake up. And shortly after they they are woken, there is an explosion on the outside of the ship. And it kills some people. And it throws their ship off course. And now they're trying to figure out what is going on. Uh, how are they going to get back on course? Um, their captain was killed. Uh, who was responsible for this blast? Because was it somebody on the ship with them? Did somebody plant that before they left? There are hmm. people on board who would benefit from this explosion, uh, including the crew members who get to move up in rank when some people are killed. There's also Asuka's mother back home on Earth who belongs to this sort of terrorist fringe group uh, who didn't want oh, the didn't want the mission to happen at all. Like they're like, you're wasting our resources and you know, because it costs you know millions and billions to send these people into space. There's just like tons of really cool tech. Um the the crew are all implanted with this chip that changes their visual to reality to whatever they want. But they are still somehow able to move around. Like, like when I was reading this, I was like, I would just fall down on the floor and not be able to stand up. But you can like imagine you're in a bookstore, like while you're doing your work. You can imagine you're like on the beach while you're doing your work. It shows you your happy place all the time, and somehow doesn't confuse people like while they're while they're doing this. Wow, um, which just sounds amazing. So it's just like this really smart mystery about family and belonging and politics. Um, you know, I just, I loved it so, so much. This is a debut and I'm already like, please write some more. Please write some more. <laughs> We're ready. That sounds great. I'm going to read the shit out of that book. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> One book I was very excited to see is coming out this summer is by Genevieve Gornichek and it's called The Weaver and the Witch Queen. And she wrote a book several years ago now called The Witch's Heart which I don't know about y'all, but I'm not very good at remembering like plot synopses of books. I think I just read too many, but I do remember vibes. And with this one, I remember mm. distinctly listening to the audiobook and sitting in the bath. And it's like sort of North Norse mythology-ish. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of like warm furs and weird creatures and caves and like people are alive for a really long time and, you know, mythological like wolf children and it was just so much fun and i know literally nothing about this other one except for the title and that's all i need to know because i think it's just going to be great so i can't wait for that one cosine i love the witch's heart (laughs) i love reading books based on vibes that i sort of remember being like this i put it on my list so it must be something i want to read that's so me it's like a perfect description vibes for everybody Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, what more do you need, really? Especially in a summer read. I think that's perfect. (laughs) Well, I will tell you what more you need in a summer read (laughs) with my next book pack. Perfect. Now, listen, as I ranted about not wanting to be put in a corner about summer reads, Mm. I'm about to give you the summeriest summer shit ever. (laughs) It's called Raw Dog. And it's about hot dogs. Tracy, do you remember when I told you about this book? I was going to give you credit for this. (laughs) Greta put this book 
on my list. <laughs> she said, there's a book coming out about hot dogs. I said, say no more. <laughs> it's my favorite book of the year. Have really? not even cracked it open. No, I'm just so excited. For people oh, who man. don't know me, my personality is sports, <laughs> books, and hot dogs. Like truly the first the first week of baseball season, we saw we call that the start of glizzy season. Glizzy is a nickname for a hot dog for those of you who don't know. And while it is the start of glizzy season, glizzy season also ends the day before the first week of baseball. So glizzy season is actually 365 days. Great. Um, it's my personality. It is my passion. This book is a travel log through America about the past, the future, the present of hot dogs. I am <laughs> smiling so big. I love hot dogs, though I will not entertain the question or debate of is hot dog a sandwich? No. I actually don't I truly yeah, don't care. Fine. It's a hot dog. If you want to have that conversation with your weird friends, good luck. But to me, a hot dog is a hot dog. It is a vehicle for ketchup or mustard yeah. or whatever you're into. It is a delicious, joyful food for children and adults, for rich and poor, for sports fans and barbecue lovers alike. Love, hate. I don't accept hate. But if you love them, you are my people. If you hate them, you need help. Raw dog. And it's by Jamie Loftus, who a lot of podcast listeners probably know about because she has made a yes. number of really amazing podcasts, including My Year in Mensa and ACCast and most recently Ghost Church, right? Yeah. And she's a guest a lot on that Things You're Wrong About show, I yes. feel like. Yes. I am stuck on the fact that I had no idea you loved hot dogs or were so passionate about hot dogs, Tracy. <laughs> I feel like, are we even friends? Like, I, I'm questioning. <laughs> well, I don't know. This is a you thing. I post hot dogs every time I eat it them on my Instagram. I'm getting a little teared up because this is like our Instagram DMs come to life. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's just so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Me talking about glizzy season on repeat. That's it. Okay, Lupita, it's your turn again. Okay, um, my next pick is actually, so I've been doing this thing with my mom where we've been reading the same book. So we have a little baby book club, oh, just me and her. Um, and so the next book she's already read in Spanish. It's the one that was recently translated into English. It's called Stillborn. It's by Guadalupe Netal, who is a Mexican writer. Um, I... As soon as I saw her name, who she's, we share the same name. So I was like, mm. oh my God, I have to read everything she's written. I've actually read uh, two of her books, one of them in Spanish and one of them in English. And so she's just one of those writers that I constantly want to be reading um, and that I get to read in two different languages. So that feels mm. very special. That's really cool. Yeah, this book that she has coming out, Stillborn, is um, a book about motherhood, friendship. I'm just really interested in having this conversation with my mom about motherhood. So <laughs> it's like a little bit of a selfish reason that I am going to be getting into this one and then um, possibly reading it in Spanish. Spanish and uh, seeing I'm always interested in what gets lost in translation you know we talk about vibes and mood and mm. I mean and vibes are so hard to catch and capture in Mexic like with Mexican literature because there's a specific tone in Spanish mm. that I think doesn't always translate so well in English if you try to do it directly um, and then if you add too much context to right. like over explain the vibe right. you lose it so it's a very delicate thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm I'm worried, but I'm also excited to read this one. No pressure on the translator. <laughs> yes, I am also really fascinated by the art of translation. There has to be so much nuance to it. Right. Okay, let's uh, go to you, Liberty. My 
third pick is The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff, which comes out mm. September 12th. Uh, I love Lauren Groff. She is the author of Fates and Furies, Matrix, Florida, a bunch of other things. And I posted that I had received this book on Instagram because I constantly need people to praise me. And <laughs> someone said, someone messaged me and said, this is, this is her best. Like I've read this and it's her best. And I was mm. like, oh, okay. But you know, I have to find out for myself. They were not wrong. I could not read this book fast enough. It's yeah. almost entirely, entirely adventure and description. There's very little dialogue and you'll, you'll understand why. Yeah. Um, it's this slim novel about a mostly unnamed teen servant girl. She has run away from this colonial Virginia settlement where things are going horribly wrong. The, she, I mean, she didn't have a good life to begin with, but now like people are dying from starvation. They're dying from smallpox and everything mm -hmm. is awful, awful, awful. And she decides the only chance that she has to survive is to take off into the woods, like, you know, hundreds of years ago with, with, you know, very little supplies. And so now she's like in the unforgiving Virginia woods in the middle of winter, which is like, not great, Bob. And <laughs> it, the hardships and horrors are matched by the beauty of her surroundings and the girl's hmm. thoughts on faith and love and the world. And Groff just does this amazing job bringing all of this to life. And it just like hums in your heart and in your brain. And, and I really feel like not everyone could pull off a very little dialogue, trauma-filled like story <laughs> about a girl just running through the woods. But this is a yeah. gorgeous success. Um, and, and, and it also has a powerful lesson, but like, I don't want to make you feel like you have to do homework over the summer. Mm. Um, or, or maybe you like to, like, I'm not going to kink shame anybody, but like, it's like, whatever you want. Um, it's, you won't even realize like what you've learned until you set the book down and you're like, oh, that lesson. It's amazing. Amazing. Mm, I loved it so much. It was really funny to talk about it to a friend of mine who also happens to be named Lauren. And they were like, man, Lauren Groff, like someday, like we need 10 or 20 more years until we can like look back on her collection of books to make sense of like what the hell she is doing, because she is doing so many different fascinating things with each of the books that she has written. Yeah, uh, there's also a book coming out a couple months after this called Northwoods by Daniel Mason, which is about a couple that runs away into the woods from a colonial Virginia society. So like, that's the hot trend of the year, Whoa. I guess. Like, escape the Puritans. Okay. <laughs> so good. So my third pick is going to be really obvious to all three of you here. And I actually am not quite, I'm like 97% of the way done with it. But it is Angie Kim's second novel, Yay. Happiness Falls. <laughs> Which, so Tracy, are you going to read this one? I know you're not much of a fiction person. You know, I can't say. Read it, read it, <laughs> I think you read would like it. it. I do think it. you'd like it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not not reading it. I just don't know That's for sure fair. if I will get to it. Um, but I'm excited about it. I know people are liking it. I, I, so talk, <laughs> talk about it. Tell me, okay. convince well, me, bully me. I know, me. I was like, ooh, now who's getting bullied? I love, we're turning the tables on this one. Um, so I will start by saying... Uh, Miracle Creek is a book where I had gotten a galley of it and I brought it with me on a plane to I was like flying to Seattle to meet up with some friends for the weekend and I got two thirds of the way in and I was fucking hooked and then I left the book on the plane <gasps> oh. and I was so I devastated really and you know 
And it was the galley, so I couldn't just, like, go to a bookstore and get it. So I spent all weekend complaining to my friends (laughs) about how good this book was and how devastated I was. And, you know, it's just to say I really loved that one. And I think I was, you know, it's it's been several years since that one came out. And so I was a little worried about how a second one would go. But it is just so good. I mean, it's so a dad disappears and the dad had been in a park with their non-speaking son who has autism and a bunch of other special needs. So they just had no way of knowing what happened in the park. And that's essentially the premise of the book. I don't want to say anything more than that, though it covers so much more ground. And I mean, it's a great propulsive start and it just goes in so many surprising directions, which kind of reminds me of something Idra Novi said when we had her on the show to talk about Take What You Need, which is like you start a book for one reason. And if it's a really good book, often you finish it for another reason because it ends up surprising you so much. And I can't stop thinking about that idea. And I think Happiness Falls totally does that. Yeah, I I would agree, too. I mean, I think I think what makes it so different for me is that. I personally think it's going to cause a lot of discourse and dialogue and discussion around mm. ableism and what yes. the ways in which, and, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm trying to be very cautious of not saying too much because um don't want to, you know, don't want any spoilers, but I think that it's going to be an important and needed discussion that, you know, a lot of people are going to have around this book. Um, and it's the first time I've ever read a narrative that kind of um, centers someone with Angelman syndrome. Uh, which I had Mm. not heard of before. And so um, I thought that was really interesting. And also, uh, I believe in um, Angie's note, she mentions that she's worked with folks like this, with the syndrome and people on the spectrum. And so I think it's really interesting to see how that kind of plays out and how she writes about it. It was really good. It also is the first book that I've read that really deals with COVID. Like it takes place at the beginning of the pandemic. And it makes you think about things that you wouldn't think about when you're reading like a a mystery. Like um, what if people test positive? Those people can't go to the crime scene now. Or what if all these people were together at the crime (laughs) scene? They have to notify these people saying like, we were all at this crime scene and now you have to, you know, go and sit in your house for 14 days. And and how does anybody get anything done? And maybe we can't go to this jail because, you know, there's an outbreak there. And, and it was, it was another amazing, like, like part of this novel was like making the story happen while it's the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. I liked too, that it wasn't like trying to be like making sense of the pandemic, which I've read several of those and have found generally pretty infuriating. But this is just a book that sort of happens Mm -hmm. to take place during quarantine, which turns out happens to be a very convenient mechanism for telling the story, which is like, okay, Mm. I can, I can work with this, you know? I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. We'll see. I hope to get to it. Um, I yeah. I hope to get to I it. When is it out? September, early September, the fifth. Oh, I've got time. Oh, you've got okay. time. Oh, it's great, all good. Great, great, great. I'll, I'll call you and read it to you. Oh no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> I, I didn't know that was a deal. <laughs> That's not something that I think that I've agreed to, Liberty. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> see, see, she—that's a book bully right there. That's, that's, that's a really up on you, right there, Tracy. I'm sorry. Can you read at 2.0 speed? Because that's what I'm going to do. I already need. talk at 2.5 speed. So, <laughs> okay, perfect, perfect. In just a minute, even more books right after the break. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast 
crew and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Okay, here's my last pick. And yes, I'm cheating because it's two books because I think they go together really wow. well, don't you? Um, I am a book bully. I had to go last. I get to break the rules. <laughs> the first book I'm picking is called American White Lash, A Changing Nation and the Cost of Progress by Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and author Wesley Lowry, who folks might recognize that name and not know why. But in 2014, during the uprisings in Ferguson, he was one of two journalists who was arrested at that McDonald's. Mm. And the charges were dropped but that sort of brought him a lot of national um relevancy that people who maybe weren't following his work before didn't know he also wrote another book uh called they can't kill us all in 2016 but this book is all about this idea of american white lash and like the rise of white supremacy uh post barack obama's historic win and i'm just really excited to see how he sort of unravels this and talks about this stuff because he's like i mentioned been on the ground um and been doing the reporting and the work and all of this stuff. So I'm really, really curious about how this book plays out. And it was blurbed by two of my other favorite journalists, Clint Smith mm. and Adam Serwer, two yep. men whose work and uh, understandings of race and culture in America right now are pretty much spot on. My second book, which is in connection, is called 24 Hours in Charlottesville. And it's an oral history of what happened in 2017 Mm. in Charlottesville. And obviously it's connected to this white lash and this rise of white supremacy. Um, It's by Nora Noose and it's out in July. Uh, And I'm just, I'm really excited to see what an oral history of that, of those 24 hours looks like. Wow, that's really cool. Okay, so since Tracy got an extra bonus one, do y'all want extra bonus ones? Too? I do, I do, I do, I do. <gasps> of course. Do. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got, my dear? <laughs> oh my god, I just finished. Um, and I think I, I don't know, Tracy, if I text you about it, but I just finished the people who report more stress, and it came out last month oh. by Alejandro mm. Varela. The best short story collection I've ever read because it's just like so good. Like he talks about so many things in such a smart way. You know, he has a background in public health. And so a lot of his stories, of course, hence the title, deal with the effects of stress um, on the individual body. But based on like microaggressions and like homophobia and how we take that in. And there's a story in there, y'all, about like imagine a U.N. that's everyone is gay in the UN. And so decisions are being made as they are, you know, doing the deed and like, you know, Salvador's in bed with like America. It's just so hilarious, but also so smart and so good. And I'm like, God, I love his writing so much. So I needed that extra one. Sorry. (laughs) No, don't apologize. That sounds really great. Well, I want to just briefly mention My Murder by Katie Williams, which comes out Mm. uh, June 6th, which is this near future uh, murder mystery, kind of, sort of, um, in a world where um, 
people, and by people I mean the fabulously wealthy, uh, if some if they die, their consciousness can be uploaded into a new version of themselves. Like they make a whole new body, just like you were, and you know you go about like whatever happens. So the main character of this book is one of five women who were the victims of a serial killer. And they're not all fabulously wealthy, but because of the public outcry, um, the company decided we're going to take these five women and we're going to give them their lives back. So basically they were murdered horribly and then boop, dropped right back into their lives where they were like nothing happened. And so it's a look at like the trauma, first of all, like if you, if you died and came back, like, would you continue on the way you were? Um, but there's like a backlash against this procedure being done. Uh, and, and we just deal with like all these complicated feelings about, you know, her life. Like, does she want to have the same job that she used to have? Does she want to do all these things? And it's so fascinating. And it's a really great examination of also our fascination with the murder of women in true crime. And like, like there's true crime, like rea- like reality shows and video games and all this stuff going on in, in this. And she's like a minor celebrity. It's fantastic. I read this one and I don't think I liked it as much as you did, but I, it is a hell of a premise. Oh, I will for sure say that. To me at least once a show, you have to be like, no liberty. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Greta is famously my, my opposite. I, and I was just going to say, I was waiting for this conflict to be between Tracy and Greta. And I was going to be like, just eating popcorn, but whoa, plot twist. Liberty. Oh, wow. No, I'll just cry. It's Maybe fine. Greta's just too anti. Maybe it's a Greta thing and it's not an us thing. I thought it yeah. was a me thing, but turns oh, out Greta's me to everybody. What we've also learned from the show is that Greta is never at home and she never lands in one spot very long at all because all she does is travel, so she might be a bird. <laughs> I think nemesis is a very strong word, Tracy. What did I call you? I think I said you were my antithesis. I like that better. Yeah. yeah, it's like the well, other side of the coin, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's well, true. It's the other side of the grilled cheese with bacon in it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Greta does not no. know how to make grilled cheese, <laughs> so that's there. something Let's for another episode. No. Books, guys. We're talking about books. <laughs> well, I love that all four of us got to do this together, and I thought we did a really good job of bullying or not bullying each other appropriately. I think this was beautiful. Thank you all for coming on. Thank you. I love you all so much. I'm so honored to be here and share space with you all. Like you all are like my favorite book people. So thank you. Lupita, you are so sweet. You are the furthest thing from a book, Billy, on the face of the (laughs) earth. I was getting ready to be like, can't wait to go fight all of you in the streets. And Lupita's like, I love you all. I'm so glad we get to be together. (laughs) Listen, it takes all types. That's why I'm glad everybody's here. Yes. All right, that's it for today's show. I hope you heard about at least one title that you are excited about reading. We're going to have the whole list up on the story page for this episode. So don't panic. If you missed a title, you can go to wbez.org slash nerdette and then click on the title, Your Summer Book Preview. Also, I would love to know what you are excited to read this summer. Let's start a little thread going over in our private group on Facebook. You can join that group if you go to facebook.com slash groups slash Nerdette HQ, or you can just search for Nerdette Headquarters. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bauman. J.P. Swenson builds our newsletter every week. He has also started contributing to it, which I'm really excited about. You can sign up for that if you go to wbez.org slash Nerdette AF. And our executive producer is Brendan Banasak. 
We will see you next week. In addition to glizzies, I love a grilled cheese. It's bread and cheese. That's it. That's the list. If you start putting things in it, it's a grilled sandwich. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.